I don't think I fancy the odds on the tall one, muttered Centurion Macro. Why's that, sir? Look at him, Carto. The man's all skin and bones. Won't last long against the opposition. Macro nodded to the other side of the makeshift arena where a stocky prisoner was being armed with a buckler and short sword. The man took the unfamiliar weapons reluctantly and eyed up his opponent. Carto looked over to the tall, thin Briton, naked except for a small leather loin guard. One of the legionaries assigned to arena duties thrust a long trident into his hands. The Briton hefted the trident experimentally and adjusted his grip for the best balance. He seemed to be a man who knew his weapons and moved with a certain amount of poise. I'll bet on the tall one, Carto decided. Macro swung round. You mad? Look at him. I have looked, sir, and I'll back my judgment with money. Your judgment? The centurion's eyebrows rose. Carto had only joined the Legion the winter before, a fresh-faced youth from the Imperial household in Rome. A legionary for less than a year and already throwing his judgments about like a veteran. Have it your own way, then. Macro shook his head and settled down to wait for the fight to begin. It was the last bout of the day's games laid on by the legate Vespasian in a small dell in the middle of the Second Legion's marching camp. Tomorrow, the four legions and their support troops would be on the march again driven on by General Plautius in his determination to seize Camelodunum before autumn closed in. If the enemy capital fell, the coalition of British tribes led by Caraticus of the Catavalloni would be shattered. The 40,000 men under Plautius were all that Emperor Claudius could spare for the audacious invasion of the Misty Isles off the coast of Gaul. Every man in the army was aware that they were greatly outnumbered by the Britons. But as yet, the enemy was dispersed. If the Romans could only strike quickly at the heart of British resistance before the imbalance in numbers weighed against the legions, victory would be within their grasp. The desire to push forward was in all their hearts, although the tired legionaries were grateful for this day's rest and the entertainment provided by the fights. Twenty Britons had been paired against each other, armed with a variety of weapons. To make things more interesting, the pairs had been picked by lot out of a legionary helmet, and a handful of the bouts had been entertainingly unbalanced, like this last one appeared to be. The Legion's eagle-bearer was acting as master of ceremonies and strode out to the centre of the arena, arms waving for silence. The eagle-bearer's assistants rushed to take final bets and Carto sat back down beside his centurion, having got odds of five to one. Not good, but he had staked a month's pay and if the man won, Carto would make a tidy sum. Macro had bet on the muscle-bound opponent with sword and buckler much less money at much tighter odds, reflecting the assessment of the fighters. Quiet! Quiet there! The eagle-bearer bellowed. Despite the holiday atmosphere, the automatic grip of discipline exerted itself over the gathered legionaries. Within moments, over 2,000 shouting, gesticulating soldiers stilled their tongues and sat waiting for the bout to begin.
Last fight, then. On my right, I give you a swordsman, well-built, and a skilled warrior, or so he claims. The crowd howled with derision. If the Briton was so bloody good, why the hell was he here fighting for his life as their prisoner? The swordsman sneered at the audience and suddenly raised his arms, screaming out a defiant war cry. The legionaries jeered back. The eagle-bearer allowed the shouting to continue a moment before calling for silence again. On my left, we have a trident. Says he's a squire to some chief or other. A weapon carrier by trade, not a user. So this should be nice and quick. Now then, you lazy bastards, remember that normal duties begin right after the noon signal.